Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they would know the one true God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And I explained to you some time ago this life-changing verse in John 17, 3, that Jesus Christ is not talking about extension of days, but he's talking about a Zoe life, a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit leading us and giving us real life, teaching us how to really live. It's one thing to have heavenly promises that are in heaven. It's another thing to have those promises lived out and expressed in your everyday life. Amen? Some of us are living earthly lives, not understanding that we are eternal creatures. Amen? And we are supposed to live for the glory of God. Amen? And that's real living. Amen? And that is only done when we actually receive Christ and Christ is in us and the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into the truth that we understand, the truth that we, are, that we know. He makes it clear and then he causes us to live a new life one that pleases God, which is the only way that we will ever, ever be satisfied. Amen? So Paul is here in the third chapter, 14th verse, and it states this. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit. Say, by his spirit. In the inner man, that you may dwell, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I'm going to speak to you today from the title, Growing in God's Love. Growing in God's Love. Specifically, how the Holy Spirit uh, plays his role in growing us into the love of God. Amen? All right. Just a little bit of background here. So in the first chapter of Ephesians and into the second chapter of Ephesians, um, because of all the blessings that have been given to us, uh, it says in Ephesians 1, 3, we've been given uh, exceedingly great uh, precious promises or the spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings rather in the heavenly places. That's what it is. Yes. Um, because of that, blessings like salvation, being chosen by God, uh, being blameless in the sight of God having a perfect record of Jesus Christ imparted to us, uh, being forgiven of every sin, everything we've ever done, everything we're doing now, every thought that we're thinking, every sin that we will do later, being redeemed, being snatched back from the enemy, uh, blessings of wisdom and insight into the will of God, being adopted into a perfect family. Wow. And given on top of that an inheritance that can never depreciate and much, much more, all those blessings, because of all those blessings, Paul is driven to pray. He's like, you know, I got to pray because this is a lot of stuff that we have. 
Amen? There's a lot of blessings that we have been given. And on top of that, Paul in the third chapter, uh, in the beginning of the third chapter, begins to talk about the mystery of God. Amen? And that is how Jews and Gentiles alike, no matter what street you come from, no matter what neighborhood you come from, whether you was on the east side or on the west side, broke or poor, it doesn't matter. All of those blessings are now given to anyone who is in Christ. We are now equally beneficiaries. Amen. Of these blessings. Amen. So no matter where you come from, when you begin to believe in Jesus Christ, when you receive Jesus Christ, because the blessings of God are in Jesus Christ and we are in him, you are sure enough blessed. Amen. Amen. All of who, all of those who are in Christ are blessed. Amen. Amen. Uh, now, Paul is talking to believers here and he is uh, expressing that uh, he wants us to know what we have received, and yet he's praying that we would receive them. What? He wants us to know that we are blessed, and yet he's saying that those blessings are not, they're not tangible yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, He's asking or praying to God that the believer can not only know that he has the blessings, but experience the blessings. Amen? Where these spiritual blessings are now pulled down from the heavenlies into our earthly, everyday experience in life. Amen. So some time ago, a stranger uh, at a park heard my story some folks, they, I, I don't know where he came from, but this man got my phone number and, you know, uh, got a chance to meet my family and like my kids. And at that time, I was married and saw my wife and was like, yeah, you know, nice family. Called me later on, sometime later, and said, hey, uh, you're pastor for church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like your family. Listen, I got this vehicle I want to give you. What? See, I got this car, this truck I'm not even using. Really? I'm going to give you this vehicle. So I hear him in the hall, and I'm like, you know, because you don't trust everybody. Uh, what, you, what you been doing in that truck? <laughs> I need to know, just in case, you know, folks get anything. So I got to give a little time. So the man called back. He's very persistent. Listen, I have a gift for you. I want you to have this. So this man gives me a whole vehicle. Amen. So now I have an extra car. Okay? Which is good because I have this 15-year-old son. You might have seen him play piano. He's two seconds from being legal driving age. I'm like, huh? That's not interesting. This actually might work out. So I got this car. Now I have a car that I'm not even using that I want to give to my son. Now, technically, this car is shown of his. But he's not mature enough to actually experience the gift that his father wants to give to him. Are you catching me? There are some things that definitely belong to us from the foundation of the world. God said they belong to his children. Yet we're not experiencing those things because we're not maturing yet. 
And here's the thing. We can't mature on our own. So don't beat yourself up talking about, oh, I need to get more mature. No, 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 no. There's something that must happen in order for you to receive these blessings that are already yours. Say they're already mine. They're already mine. So Paul's aware that these blessings uh, that belong to the Ephesus church uh, are not necessarily being received or tangible just yet. Because, and so he's overwhelmed. He begins to believe in, in prayer and ask God to, you know, to do something because he knows that life is tough. He knows that they're going to need divine help in order to mature because they can't mature on their own. He knows that in order for them to receive and experience the blessing that God already has for them, they're going to need the Holy Spirit to intervene. Amen? So, Ephesians 3, 14, 21. Here we go. The Word of God reads, For this cause, because all those blessings, I bow my knees unto the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Verse 16, that he would grant, there's that word, gift you, amen, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened, underline that word, it's a key word, amen, to be strengthened, uh, by, with might, by his spirit in the inner man. So, what's happening here is according to the riches of God's glory, which are vast riches, Paul is saying that he wants the Ephesians church to be granted strength. Amen. By the Spirit in our inner man. Are you hearing me? The word strength here, as we know, in a physical sense, means just to get stronger. Right? Strength, good health, you know, things are still working. <laughs> Amen. But in the Greek, the word really means vigor, enthusiasm. Hmm. It's a word that means uh, a change in attitude. Amen. It's the exact opposite of despair. Hmm. So he's saying that first things first. So that the people of God can experience the blessings of God. Holy Spirit, you're going to have to do a work in the inner man. And that work is you're going to have to change their despairing hearts into folks that are um, in, invigorated and enthusiastic. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ah! Uh, the first thing the believer has to do is the, the Holy Spirit has to breathe on the believer vigor and enthusiasm. The breath of God must breathe on the believer vigor and enthusiasm into, into the believer so that we can have a battle, we can win our battle over discouragement. One of the things that happens to the believer when we first get saved. Amen? We've been walking around saved for some time, or in the middle of being, you know, in your, in your journey, you get attacked by discouragement. Amen? Amen. So what has to happen is the believer must receive from the Holy Spirit uh, vigor 
I, my daughter I walked in the, in the house this morning. She was looking at my nose. She said, "What is what is vigor, Daddy? What is <laughs> what is that word? Vigor?" I said, "Vigor." You seen vigor? And when I said the word vigor, she said, Rah. "I said that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the attitude." <laughs> she said, "Ah, that's what the Holy Spirit does because we get discouraged sometimes." And if you think about 2023, I don't know about you, but for me, it was like. So in order for me to actually experience or uh, receive the blessings of God, I don't know how, much, how far I'm going to get with this, but receive the blessings of God, one of the things we've got to do is have the Holy Spirit. No, no, not pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No, the Lord has to breathe on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He has to invigorate you. He has to give you enthusiasm about what you already have. Come on, somebody. What, we get under attack. We have things that happen. One of the things that we deal with in life, um, uh, say, for instance, you get saved and, you, you know, folks find out you're a Christian, you get persecuted. Your workplace changes. Oh, you, you one of them, huh? Oh, boy. Who you voting for? What policies do you agree with? You know, we, we do things different in our company. Are you gonna be, is Jesus going to be okay with that? We get persecuted, right? Now, now, what about your friends? Huh? There are things that you used to do, places you used to go. All of a sudden, you know, you get saved and, and the Lord begins to conquer certain things in you. And now, y'all ain't cool no more. Oh, don't talk about family. There are people that come out of, you know, different kinds of religions and, and false religions, and, and they were, say, for instance, they were, you know, into this or that, whatever have you, they believe different things, and then they get saved, and all of a sudden, oh, you're not down with us no more. You don't believe what we believe. There are people who get major persecution because they get saved. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit has to do is he has to invigorate. Blow into you the ability to battle discouragement. Right? Amen. Colossians 1.11 says this. Colossians 1.11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance. Steadfast. Stability. Amen. Uh, it's patience with joy. It doesn't mean the absence of having tough times. What he's talking about is even in the tough times, I have the ability because the Holy Spirit is breathing on me to overcome how I am dealing with certain things. So basically, I have a tough day. What's different is not my day. It's how I respond to it. Are you hearing me? Amen. So the Holy Spirit, he does that. And in 2 Corinthians 4.16... 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, our inner man, is being renewed day by day. In a very real sense, I don't know about you, but if you look in the mirror for over the last 10 years, you can get a little discouraged <laughs> by the reality of what's happening. I don't care how much jumping rope you do, I jump rope. I try to stay in shape, but the bottom line is, it's like, you know, hey, it is what it is. I got, you know, for me, I got these gray hairs, and they just, I mean, they all need a perm, but none of them want to act right. 
that just do whatever they want to do. And so I try to lay it down, and my, you know, my daughter's like, Daddy, don't kiss me. You're scratching me all up. You're trying to get this thing. It's things change. Are you hearing me? So even though our outward man is dying, the truth of the matter is because of the word of God, because of the Holy Spirit breathing on us, we are actually in our inner man being renewed day by day. Amen? Amen. Back to Ephesians 3.17. Amen. So, that he would grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Okay. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That Christ may dwell in your heart. That Christ may be at home in you. May take up residence in you. Amen. May be able to kick his feet up and rule you. Amen. Be, may, 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 may be able to feel inside the believer that he's not a temporary guest. Are you hearing me? He's not a temporary guest. No, I live here. This is my house. I run this. <laughs> Can Jesus say that about you? This is what Paul is praying. He's like, you know what? There are blessings that I want you, I want them to be able to receive. But one of the things they've got to be able to do is they've got to be encouraged. And the other thing is that Christ must rule. Uh-oh. I know we don't like that kind of preaching in this newfangled time that we live in. But the truth is, is that God has got to get a grip on our attitude. So what we're talking about here is winning the battle over disobedience. Winning over discouragement, now we're winning the battle over disobedience. That's what Paul is praying for. Uh, your lifestyle, your old lifestyle comes into uh, alignment. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, your new life begins. We begin to live in a way that pleases God. Your habits, amen. This is just what I do. I just kind of do this. No, that's not right. When Christ comes in, he tells you what, we, what he's going to do. He tells you how you're going to live, amen. What about your mouth? You know, I stopped drinking, but I'll curse you, man. I will let you have it. There are, some, there are some people that can put together curse words like they went to school for it. It's like, how did you? I would have messed up somewhere in that paragraph. It just flow out of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, no, that, this is just how I, you, no, this is how you used to be. But now that Christ is dwelling in you comfortably, He's got the remote, and he said, no, this is how we talk now. Amen. Amen. Your attitude. You know, some people don't do nothing, but they can walk into a room and wreck it. Just, you know, can I be careful with this? Some of the ladies. Oh, okay. Somebody going to let me say, some of the ladies can come to the planet with a little bit of an attitude and just wreck the whole house. If mama ain't feeling right, it ain't cool for nobody to live there. Where's the joy of the Lord? It's subject to my attitude. 
Okay, so Christ comes in and he rules us. Okay, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Don't miss that statement because here's the thing. This is where we begin to win the battle over doubting God, where we start to trust God. Paul is praying that there are blessings that we are not able to receive yet because the Holy Spirit's got to work on our discouragement. He's got to work on our, 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 our disobedience issue. And now he's got to work on the whole doubt issue. This is starting, this message coming together. DDD, praise the Lord. <laughs> he's got to work on the whole doubt issue. Why? Lord, listen, where are you taking me? Where are we going? How holy do you want me to be? How far are we going? This is where I trust the Lord and lean not into my own understanding. Well, I acknowledge him in all my ways and he directs my path. Amen? This is, you know, when the Lord takes you through in a certain area or a certain uh, unfamiliar territory. Come on, 23. That was just, I was like, I guess I'll just get up and do what I did yesterday because I don't know what else to do because I had never been here before. Are you understanding? Have anybody else been there? Where you had to trust the Lord because you did not know where you were headed? Where you had to, you know, where you trust in the Lord by faith that Christ will dwell in you and live in you, huh? get comfortable in you, not only so he can transform you, but so he can lead you? And when you don't kick back on him, be like, wait, where are we going? I don't know nothing about that. I don't know nothing about them. Where, 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 where is this? Where, where are you taking me? Huh? That's that trust that we have to develop. Amen. And what now I don't care how much you want to externally sanctify yourself. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do that in you, it cannot be done. Are you hearing me? We don't take credit for the fact that I've been walking with the Lord for 45 years. The truth is we didn't take, we didn't take one step without the Holy Spirit helping us. Come on, let's just be real. Huh? Because dead people don't walk. You got to be quick in the life. Amen. You got to be able to, to trust the Lord. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit leads us into areas where we may not be comfortable. But you know what, Lord? Here's the thing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know where the destination is. But I do know this. That no matter where you take me, as long as you're involved, it's the best thing for me. How many people can say that? Huh? If you can say that, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. All right. Where am I? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that being rooted and grounded in love. And here's my point right here. Here's the main point. That being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Being rooted in love. And ye shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season. That is Psalm 1. Amen? Rooted like a tree. Close to the source. You know? And your leaves won't wither. And whatsoever you do will prosper. You got leaves, leaves that are green and healthy. Why? Because you're rooted. 
your roots are growing down into the love of God. This is what he is essentially praying here. You got to get all those other things out of the way so that you can not have any distraction and interference in being rooted and allowing the roots to grow deep and deeper into the love of God. Amen. That you may be able to comprehend. Now, some people have put together all kinds of amazing little ways to see this. You know, explaining the measurements of God's love. What is the breath, you know, covering, you know, our own experience in life and reaching the whole world. Some people feel like what is the length of, of God's love is it's, it's long and continuing the length of your lives from the time you're born all the way to eternity. The love covers you from the time you're born to the time you get into you know, eternity. Amen? Some people feel that, you know, or through eternity, rather. Uh, what is the height? You know, is high, higher than the highest height you will ever reach, which is a good point there because sometimes when you are in your, in your happy place, when, th- when you're being celebrated and things are going very, very well for you, that could be a very dangerous place for a believer. If the love of God is not covering you when you're in your highs, that's how folks have a lot of falls. That's how you slip up. Amen? You're not rooted in love. You're not walking in love. You're doing things that are unlovely. Amen? Because you're having so many highs. <laughs> you don't know what to do with yourself. You can't handle your success. You feel me? Amen? Or, or what is, what is the, the, the depth? His love is deep. I love this. It reaches down to the depths of our discouragement and our despair, even in depth. I don't care how low you go. The bottom line is you can't go low enough for the depth of God's love to not be right there to grab you and reach you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it's gotten. I don't care if it was your fault or wasn't your fault. But you reach an all-time low, the bottom line is God's love is deeper then your situation, God's love, is deeper than your mistakes. God's love is deeper than how you blew it. His love goes deeper than your despair. His love goes deeper than suicidal thoughts. His love is just deeper. He, he, you cannot escape his love. I don't care how low you go, God's love will meet you there. It will meet you there. And the bottom line is this. I would just say it this way. God's love... Is something that cannot be measured because you can't measure God and God is love. Are you hearing me? God is love. So he's praying that they may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, that our roots will grow down to his love and to know the love of Christ, uh, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So here's that interesting little contrast again. He's saying in 19, in 18 rather, he's saying that you'll be able to understand the greatness or the measure of God's love. And in verse 19, he's saying that you would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. So how can a believer understand something that cannot be understood? 
the question we have to ask ourselves. I want you to know God's love, the love of Christ, that you will never be able to really fully know. Huh? What are you saying, Paul? Well, there's only one thing I think he can mean here. And this is what I believe he's saying. Have you ever known something for certain but could not explain it? Huh? Have you ever been so certain of something but could not put it into words? What he's saying here, I don't believe Paul is contradicting himself. He's basically saying here that I don't want you to just understand God's love. I want you to experience God's love. Are you hearing me? I don't know how I made it through last year, but I experienced God's love all the way through it. I can't explain it to you. I can't give you a play-by-play. Play. All I know is I'm, I know for, for beyond a shadow of a doubt, his love was there. His love was there. I experienced his love when I couldn't talk good. I was, when I couldn't even form the words, God's love was holding me and keeping me and walking me through situations day by day by day. I can't tell you how he did it. All I know is I got through it. And that's all I'm talking about. He said, I want you to experience the love of God. Experience the love of God, which passes knowledge. Amen. Amen. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Let's give you a few, few scriptures to kind of tie this up and we'll be done. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. So in that last verse, he was saying to know the love of God or Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Love that fills you up. That's interesting. And here he's saying in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he tells us the application of that in verse 10. And you are now complete in Christ, which is over all the principalities and the power all over the, over the angelic hosts. He says, in Christ, God was pleased to dwell in him. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. And that's the goal, saints, for every believer that has ever been born again. The goal is that we would be filled up with the love of God. Amen. That's an ongoing pro process, but that is the goal. The idea is as we grow, God is expecting the Holy Spirit to do what he does in every believer, which creates space for God to rule, where there will be less of me and more of him. Amen? Amen. Not just so God can tell you no and stop and get on your case about what you're doing wrong. Yes, that's there. But more so that we might be filled. Put it back up there. Verse uh, 19. Back to back. 319, that we might be filled with the fullness of God, that we might be complete, <sighs> meaning lacking nothing. What does God want to do with you and me? 
He wants to fill you up with so much love, Rod, that you ain't missing nothing. What would my life look like if I was already full? Somebody clapped. How many things and people and situations could I avoid if they were harmful to me if I was already full? Mm. How much stuff would I trip off of if I was already full of the love of God? Mm. How firm and emotionally stable would I be if I was already full of the, somebody over here is getting it, of the love of God? Huh? Huh? If I was already full, how could I respond to bad news if I was already full of the love of God? Huh? When your husband and your wife cheat on you and the boss passes you over for a promotion and does you in and does you wrong, how will that affect you if you're already full of the love of God? When your money gets funny and you don't understand what's happening and you're walking through a tough season, how will you respond to that if you're already full of the love of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying when your children act up on you? You know, spent all kinds of time trying to get them right, cleaning them, bathing them, taking care of them, giving them everything they need, and they act like they don't even know you when they get a little something. How will you respond to that if you're already full of some love from God? That's what he's saying, that you might be filled with the love, that's what Paul is praying. I think he said, what we want is God's fullness, the love of his fullness inside us. They're complete. They're not lacking anything. Huh? Now, isn't it interesting, saints, that out of all the things that Paul prayed for here, this is his principal point. He didn't ask that you become deep. <laughs> he didn't say, you know, Lord, bless their ministries and give them this and that and the other. Allow them to be able to heal everybody in Castro Valley. He didn't pray that. No, what he said is, give them your love to the fullness. Why? That's deep, right? What am I missing because of my default inability to grasp just how much God loves me? Huh? Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even think, according to the power that worketh in us. Most people take this right out of the context and they apply this to Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Houses and cars, husbands and wives, lotteries, business plans, whatever it is. You know, I need my degree. God, woo, I got my degree now because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Okay, watch this. That you might be filled with the love of God, and now that you are filled with the love of God, he is able to do. 
You see the context? Exceeding and abundant. This is not just a doxology, people. This is not just an end of prayer. He's saying something here. He's saying if you function out of the fullness of God, God is able to do some amazing things in you. Oh! Do you see it now that the Holy Spirit has done some work in you and, and, and brought you out of your discouragement and brought you out of your disobedience and brought you out of your doubting God where you actually trust God huh? and is filling you up on the love? Now I'm able to do something inside of you that you ain't never even thought of, that you can't even think of. It's exceeding abundantly above anything that you would ask or even think. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that's in charge of your prayerless now. He's the one that is, is, is in charge of what you put on, the, or, or, or what you itemize. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? Huh? Oh. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 10. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Then back it up, we're almost done. Change the translation just so we can see it a little differently. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor, or, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You see it? Uh huh. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For the spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. The spirit, we can't do this on our own. The Holy Spirit has some deep things for, the, for us to understand. He does. They're spiritual blessings, though. They're spiritual blessings that are inside of you. You see all these people who have these mountaintop experiences with all this material stuff? And then it looks like everything is going well, and then all of a sudden some kind of moral failure or something happens, and, and they crash. Huh? There were people I was in the music business with, I told you, and I saw what, you know, I wanted to be just like them, and the Holy Spirit was like, not for you. And I'm like, why? I'm telling them. Why not me? I want to drive that so I can get her and then have this and have that and a bunch of other things. Why not? God was like, no, not for you. I want you to see how this plays out when you don't have my spirit. Talent without my spirit, Jamie, equals fall. And besides, if the spirit gets in you, he's going to reveal some deeper things to you that are even more priceless. They are spiritual blessings. And that, those blessings are transformation in you, how you see things. Because the truth of the matter is, I'd rather have peace with God than all that other stuff in the first place. Are you hearing me? I'd rather be able to sleep at night. You know, I got my bins in a, in a, in a, in a garage, but I can't sleep at night. You know, I'm in this relationship I really don't need to be in. And, all, you know, come on now, people. I just won them, so now I got him, and now he's driving me crazy. And I, and I have no peace. And God is saying, listen, if the Holy Spirit gets in you and starts to work some things in you, it'll be above what you would naturally think. Exceedingly and abundantly above what you would naturally even think. You're not even thinking like this. You're thinking like the world. And so what the Holy Spirit has to do is he has to do the miracle inside of you. He has to breathe on you. Vigor. Ah. 
You feel me? What I'm saying? I get excited about the things of God now. That's the thing. Now that I've been working on you, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask for everything according to the power, his power that worketh in you. You want a foolproof plan? One that will not crash and burn? One that has a sure end where your feet are firmly planted on a firm foundation? You're going to need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, I don't even know what to pray for, but you do. There's some things in me that I'm asking for, Lord, that are not your will, and they're not safe. And if you don't transform me and work some things out in me and change my thinking to where my thinking is above where I would naturally think, huh? then I'm going to mess up. Now, that doesn't mean God can't bless you with things. That doesn't mean God can't give you all kinds of stuff. No, it doesn't mean that at all. What it means is that you better go in there with the Holy Spirit. You need to have the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning. Are you hearing me? When the love of God is full in you, saints, then the fuel for everything you do will be his love. He will be able to do amazingly, amazing things through you. And one of the reasons why we'll be able to accomplish those things is because that love that we have will be so feeling and so satisfying, we won't be distracted by all the other stuff. Okay? Uh, this is stuff that folks don't preach, and I'm going to tell you the real deal here. Okay? If you just take a good look at Jesus and him being satisfied with nothing... What do you think he's doing in you? Bulletproofing, as Pastor Rick would say. Bulletproofing the saints, where the stuff, where, that, where you get your joy from him and his love and not your circumstances. Are you hearing me? Amen. Amen. These things, if you're not careful, they, be, they become idols. They take you away from God and the mission that God has for us. Amen. So we're filling up on the love, and when we fill up on the love, he's now able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. And in verse 21, Ephesians 3, 21, and we're done. Am I too long? All right. Amen. Amen. Almost done. Now to him be glory in the church by Christ throughout all ages, world without end. All right, back this up really quickly. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or even think according to the power that worketh in you, his power working through you, amen? And now, not just a doxology or a doxology or a way of ending a prayer, but actually some truth here. Now God because the Holy Spirit is in control, now God can be glorified in the church. Do you see it? By Christ Jesus throughout all ages. <laughs> if, he, if the Holy Spirit could just get us to this point. Are you seeing what I'm seeing, Rick? Huh? Do you see the tie? Hey, yes, God gets the glory for everything he's done, but here's the application. The church now begins to give God glory. Okay? And how do we give God glory? We glorify God by displaying God in our character. Remember I taught you that? Amen. So we ought to be looking more like God. Amen. How does the church glorify God? By looking like God. 
Jesus prayed that prayer in John 17. Now glorify me with the glory that you gave me. I gave them your glory, God. How did he do that? He showed them who the Father was. So the Holy Spirit gets in us and we show them who Jesus is. So we glorify God by looking like him. And the only way to do that is to get in concert with the Holy Spirit and stop resisting him and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. You know my flesh. You know I don't like this. You know this is not how I would normally roll. You know I got things I want to do and people I want to see and, and stuff I want to get. But you might have a different agenda for me, Lord. So because of this agenda is not naturally in me, you've got to put it in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. I cannot do it by myself. Are you hearing me? So I pray, Lord, mature me into your love. Mature me into this power. Mature me into this way of thinking. And this is how people will see God in you and not you in you. Because it makes no sense for you to be 30 years into your salvation walk and all we see is you. God gets no glory in me looking like me. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? Ah, God forbid we profess to be walking with God 30 years and nobody can see God at all in your life. Huh? Now unto him, huh? unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What we want to do is ask the Holy Spirit, help us so that we will mature and we grow in your love. I'm done.